Blog Talk Radio. You have tuned in to Debt Free Wealth Radio. Trudy Behrman here. Our website is debtfreewealthradio.com. If you're listening in on your mobile phone on the web or through iTunes podcast, welcome. Please follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash debtfreewealthradio. I invite you to come on board as we explore all things money that ultimately leads to empowering those who desire debt-free wealth to delete debt, build wealth, and protect family assets through money education, resources, and opportunities. Let me be your guide to debt-free wealth. Today's topic is spend your way to wealth. Learn how now. Budget seems to be a nasty word for many. Even those who are financially comfortable, they even realize that it'd be better off if they did follow a budget, but they still seem to hate that word. Nevertheless, you do need a budget. And my special guest, Jesse Meacham, will show us how we can actually spend our way to, to wealth with a budget, or my preferred term, spending plan. Now, Jesse Meacham is a CEO and founder of YouNeedABudget.com. It's a personal budgeting software company which was founded in 2004, and I don't know if this is still current, but last check it was 100,000 members. YouNeedABudget you is an affordable, revolutionary budgeting software that helps people get out of debt, and I just had to share this fabulous resource with you. In fact, it is now one of the foundation core pieces to debt-free wealth coaching. So join us as we learn together how you can spend your way to wealth. Now, Jesse, as I said, is a CEO and founder of youneedabudget.com, which is a personal budgeting software. Now, in, Ju- in uh, 2003, Jesse married his sweetheart, Julie, and with seven semesters to go in the accountancy Graduate program at Brigham Young, Brigham Young University, Jesse knew that their meager earnings would have to do some serious stretching. So as a result, he created this unique money management system, and it worked so well that he officially founded youneedabudget.com in 2004 and began selling his program as a way to earn extra money for his growing family. But after graduation, Jesse worked as a certified public accountant and continued to sell. I'm from now on, I'm going to say YNAB. Okay, guys, you need a budget. I'll say YNAB on the side. So he continued to sell this on the side. Eventually, he left his day job to focus on this full-time operation. It's used worldwide by I don't know if this is still current, guys, but this is 100,000 members. That's incredible. That's some serious social proof right there. And YNAB is a revolutionary budgeting system that helps people get out of debt, save money faster, and stop living paycheck to paycheck. Now, when Jesse isn't helping people budget, he enjoys CrossFit, shooting, golfing, eating, which is one of my favorites, and spending time with his wife and five kids. Jesse, thank you for being with me today. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, my gosh. We're so honored to have you here, and thank you for creating this incredible product. Now, one of the things that caught my attention, Jesse, was that you developed 
you need a budget or YNAB during your college years. Now, I've done several shows about the whole college debt issue because students are busy racking up student debt. But while you were a college student, you saw the need to live on a budget. Now, I honestly believe that the student debt issue is probably going to be the next national crying era, if not another recession in another few years. What would you say to college students today? One is it just doesn't have to be as expensive as their peers would make it make it look to be. It's it's really a matter of just deciding beforehand. Um, I don't want to do this with debt, or I want to have as little as possible, and focusing on that just like you'd focus on your studies. It's just one more one more thing that will slow you down as soon as you're out in the workforce, and uh, it's tough, and everyone's situation is different, but. I would encourage students just to take a hard look at what do I really need to spend and how could I really cut back in order to minimize that debt. Awesome. Now, you also started off your new marriage on a foundation of a budget. Now, my mother and I created a pre-marriage course for couples, and it certainly includes the mention of setting up a budget, but you actually did it right at the beginning of your marriage. So, Speak to married couples today, especially ones that are about to get married. How did having a budget right up front impact your marriage? It was it was huge. My wife, uh, bless her heart, she was already very frugal, and I would be more of the spender. I mean, I'm fairly frugal as well, but she she had it at a different level than I did. And I just had I was looking at our combined income, what it would be once we were married, and we were making very little. You know, both working on the university, and, and they don't pay students a ton, and and so I knew things would be very, very tight, and I still had three years of school left. So it seemed obvious that we'd have to, you know, really watch and be conscious about what was going on. But what the beauty of the system, as it started with someone, you know, two people just newly married is, one, you still have the honeymoon period, so you still are totally into the marriage and just excited about every aspect of it, even if it is money and, and budgeting. So we were excited about it, and... Um, more agreeable than if we had, say, seven years of habits already ingrained and we had to kind of reverse engineer and and uh, uproot some, some old issues. So starting fresh is easy. It's the best time to, to start on a budget is right at the beginning when you don't have any preconceived notions and don't have any ideas about who should do what or how does this work or who spends. You're just going in and saying, hey, here are our goals. What do you think? You agree. And then you guys both work toward the same plan. It's it's uh, I just couldn't recommend it more to people thinking about and getting ready to be married. And I am going to second you on that. That is that is incredible. It's an absolute – in fact, let's just be honest, a lot of divorces are centered around money. So this is a huge deal. If we can get our money in order at the beginning of a marriage, a lot of marriages are going to be all the better off for it, not to mention Absolutely. their quality of life experience. So. Tell me, Jesse, why did you feel the need to create this software? I mean, there are many budgeting software options out there. What did you feel was missing, or what were you specifically hoping to create that you felt you needed to actually come up with something? You know, honestly, I, I wish I could say I had just this stroke of, of genius and I was sitting there thinking, oh, the world needs this, but it 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 was not like that at all. I um I mean, the honest-to-goodness truth of it is I was in a, you know, pre-accounting 
program at the time trying to get into the accounting deal, and uh, they had a class on how to use Excel, and I had never even heard of Excel. And so I was doing that class, and throughout the class I thought, oh, this is you know, pretty useful software. So when it came down to me crunching our numbers, looking at what things would be like with being married, I thought, well, hey, I could do this in Excel because I'm learning it. So I'm, I was kind of telling myself I could learn how to use Excel and, and do well in the class and set us up this budget. So that was, I mean, it was nothing grand. It was just me, you know, just um, a consequence of the class I was in at the time. And I didn't even look around to think, well, I certainly wasn't going to buy any software because I it just didn't enter my mind that I'd spend money on it. Um, I wish, honestly, with the time I had spent, had this not turned into a, a full-blown business, the time spent spending one up on my own was, you know, I should, I would have been better off uh, actually buying one. But, um, but I did. I spent a lot of time tweaking it, working it over, and uh, realized that we had a pretty unique method that the software followed. And so it wasn't really so much the software that I thought was unique, but more the method itself. Well, I always believe that necessity is a mother of invention. So guess what? Oh, necessity yeah. made you come up with it, and you made it work, and you built an incredible business out of it. So the Lord knew what, what was coming down the pike. So everything happens for a reason. Now, one of the things that struck me was on your frequently asked question, and this is one that kind of spins off the last question, I did see you know, some people ask, on your frequent asked questions, you know, about Quicken versus using you need a budget or using it alongside. Now, for the sake of the listeners, tell us why somebody might be able to just run with YNAB or they may want to run it alongside Quicken. Okay. There are a few things that YNAB will never do by design that Quicken does. One is investment tracking, uh, 401K analysis, mortgage analysis, uh, a lot of there are a lot of bells and whistles that Quicken offers that we we just won't do. We want to keep our app very focused on its core, which is helping you manage your cash flow. And we found that when you manage your cash flow, the balances like the 401k, the stock portfolio, that all seems to kind of take care of itself. So if you were really into managing that on your own, checking it often, doing analysis, Quicken would help you there. Uh, there are other options now online that, that would do the same thing and maybe even a little easier. I, I'm a fan of personalcapital.com that lets you uh, track investments in a pretty pretty easy, pretty slick way. Uh, Mint does it as well. I think personal capital kind of edges them out with investments and things. So that's one aspect that we wouldn't do. We're not an all-in-one, everything under the sun with your finances you know, in one roof. Um, another reason that people have run Quicken alongside YNAB is for the – massive amount of reports that Quicken runs. We're slowly adding reports to YNAB, and people are telling us now more than ever that they're getting rid of Quicken. They ran them together, and now they're just using YNAB. So I think over time that reason will go away. The first reason still stands, though, if you if you want to track your investments like that. Um, I, I personally don't feel like it's a necessary use of your time unless you're some kind of a day trader or really into your stock portfolio. Uh, for most people, just... Being able to get a statement every once in a while is probably sufficient, and just focusing your efforts on getting out of debt, sending more money to those investments uh, is much more beneficial than looking at them after the fact. So in other words, then, YNAB really, the specialization is the budgeting feature, which, I, you know, Quicken can run a report, but I don't think it is an, as intuitive 
as YNAB in helping somebody really get to the goals of having uh, that freedom that comes with having a budget, whereas Quicken is kind of responsive, whereas YNAB is intuitive and kind of helps you get set up. That's just just my opinion. Um, That's exactly right. If you were to compare it really, I mean, really quick, it would be like Quicken is a really good rearview mirror to kind of check and see how things went. And with YNAB, we want you focused on the road ahead and not looking in the rearview mirror as much, not being upset about what happened, but deciding what will happen going forward. It, it's a, a small shift, but it, it brings big results for, for our users. Which actually brings me to another question kind of alongside that. Um, and that was that you actually encourage people to manually enter their uh, YNAB transactions, whereas, I mean, I think you do have the feature that you can import it, but you, you discourage that, whereas Quicken is strictly a download, you know, 20, you know, 100%. Why is it that you really encourage people to be that interactive, that hands-on with every single transaction? It really just comes down to awareness, and they're, everyone's at a varying degree of awareness with their money. Some people, when they're really operating tight, they have to be very aware about every dollar, and other people that are blessed with a higher income or best with, blessed with a lower expense situation, they can perhaps be slightly less aware and still be okay. The end measure for how aware you should be with your finances is whether or not you are reaching your goals. If you are in debt, uh, especially consumer debt, then uh, that by definition means, and I've never heard someone say that they've set a goal to be in debt uh, with credit cards and things like that, (laughs) then that would mean that you haven't been hitting your goals. So that's a good sign of, of a lack of awareness. So with awareness being the key issue, um, when people go in and set up under Quicken or Mint or any of these other pretty slick uh, systems, they they tend to set it up, analyze, looking back again, uh, maybe working for a few hours on categorization and things like that and tweaking things, and then they let it go. Because they know that the, the system itself will import their transactions, will probably categorize them for them, and basically do all the work. Well, that work that you have to do, that we want you to do, by pulling out your phone and right after you purchase something at Walmart or whatever, entering that on your phone, that work that you do, that psychological connection you have, is building the awareness and is helping you decide, do I really want to spend this? And how much do I have to spend in groceries? And is this part of my goal? And man, do I really, really want this? All of those little questions that just take you know, split seconds they add up to you being guided more toward your goals and less toward, you know, being uh, duped by fancy marketing and things like that. So it's not that we don't think the feature itself is great. I think we're we're streamlining the way. Jesse, you're breaking up. You're breaking up. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me see if I can get a little better spot here. We're, We're looking at ways to streamline workflow always. We don't want people to be doing things that are tedious, but if it adds value, then we definitely want them to be doing those things. And right now, adding things on your phone with with our mobile app, people just report back that it's it's fantastic for them. Well, the other thing too is that, and, and I, you know, I'm sure that you've seen this 
you know, I've had, for example, $100 cash in my wallet, and by the end of the day, it's gone. And I'm thinking, oh, I only spent $5 here, I only spent $10 there. You know, so a lot of people are mentally tracking you know, their their money, even with the Quicken, you go home and, you know, because to my knowledge, I don't know if it's changed. Last I checked, Quicken didn't have a mobile app. It may have one now. But that process of entering that transaction and being so much more aware, because one of the things that I find with my clients and, and people that I have discussions with, they're always insisting that they're broke, they can't find this money. Yet when you actually, if you have the ability to go through their financial records, there's easily 30 bucks they've blown here, you know, 80 mm-hmm. bucks they've blown there. I mean, you can buy one ounce of silver for 30 bucks or less. I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, you could have bought that. You know, a gram of gold is, you know, like maybe 75 bucks. You could have bought that. But no, they, they, they'll, they'll swear up and down that they cannot find this money. But all it is is that they have no sense of where their money has gone. Absolutely. And it simply comes down to the discipline of tracking every single cent. And and you're right. The moment you literally start tracking it to that degree and you become more aware, because one of the questions I always ask my clients are, can you tell me without looking at your statements, you know, what is the average bill you pay for your electricity? What is the average bill you pay for? And a lot of people do not know. <laughs> or they, they, they guess it and they're not even within $20 of the amount. So it's like if you have no idea then you're just you're just a, a a wallet with a hole in it. So, yeah, absolutely. That's incredible. One of the biggest signs that I, I or a kind of a a radar thing going off like an alarm, I guess, would be when I talk tell someone I do budgeting, then they say, "Oh, I I don't really need a budget. I don't spend any money." That to mm. me is just I say, "Oh no, this person is spending and they have no idea." My mother is a classic example of that. So mm-hmm. it's just. You know, everyone spends money, and there are just degrees of awareness. We really want people to increase their awareness. And good things happen when you do. You're your best financial planner once you're aware. You really are. And you know what, too? Uh, you know, a lot of times when people start looking at their transactions line by line, there was, in fact, I went on PayPal this morning because there was a transaction that appeared on my bank statement, which was tracked back to PayPal, which was uh, some kind of fee that I had to immediately go, what, what is that? I've got to question it. But the thing is that things will appear, and this is how people get into big trouble because they may not even realize that they're the victim of um, identity theft till way down the line because they're not aware of what's going on with their account until they run out of money and they go, oh, how did I run out of money? And that's when they're checking. That's too late, you know. But anyway, so we kind of started talking about this one. A lot of broke people really think that they cannot save and they cannot begin to move towards improving their financial picture. So to what extent does YNAB show them where they can find that extra money within their current income? The the key is with our first rule, uh, we call it, give it giving every dollar a job. The interface itself uh, is built to have you do that very, very easily and have you adjust things, which is our third rule, to be flexible with yourself, being able to adjust things as needed. Nobody has all the information right at the beginning of the month to know exactly how things are going to go. And everyone says, oh, when I have a normal month, I'll do this. There is no normal month ever. There's always an exception or, or there may be a few. And, and so what we want people to do is just look ahead and say, what do I want this money to do before I'm paid again? Just ask themselves that question. What should this money do before I'm paid again? And when you find out that people have really clear ideas with the next little bit of money, what it should do. 
and they make them the answers are correct. I'm going to pay this bill. I'm going to do this. I'm going to set this aside for the rent that comes next, you know, in two weeks or something. But as that question that you ask yourself is key. And if you're having trouble saving any money at all, then I would just have you set aside five dollars. It almost it, it five dollars will not make a difference to anyone's finances for the most part. But the psychological benefit of just saying, this is mine. This is not a creditor's. This is not a vendor's. This is my money. That psychological breakthrough is massive. And so no matter what, set aside $5 each month, put it somewhere and put it in a jar or whatever, but do that so you can own some of your money and start changing the way, basically the way you've been wired to think that everyone else has, has a right to your money before you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I absolutely ascribe to the fact that you need to pay yourself first. I absolutely ascribe to that. Now, you touched on something that I wanted to explore. Um, you, it, why not? One of the principles is to live on next on uh, next month's money. What was the, that mm-hmm. concept again? You live on the on last Basically month's money. Basically living on last month. Yeah, whatever you were in last okay. month, you use this month. Yeah. Explain how that works. What's that concept? Um, well, it, it was born from my own experience because my wife and I were working hourly and our hours would vary. And so we had a variable income. And I was just struggling with the idea, well, how do you budget? How do you set up a budget if your income changes all the time? Because we can't, I mean, if you forecast it, you're wrong. Every forecast is wrong, no, no doubt. And so I thought, well, we'll just, we'll spend last month's money. And I actually took some money we, we uh, were given from our marriage and I said, okay, honey, we're going to use some of this money this month. So next month, we'll have the money we earned from the prior month, and we'll be able to use that. And you're on this new cycle. And it's not that you are constantly having to regain that. Once you're a month ahead, you're a month ahead, and you just are in that new new position. It's it's a little bit of a, an emergency fund, um, so to speak. It gives you a little bit of breathing room. It makes your bill pain. This is the biggest thing that I realized later on. As I, my finances as a college student were fairly quite simple as far as number of bills and things. As I grew older and I would talk with friends and, and talk with YNAB users, I realized that people always time their bills to their paychecks. They're thinking, okay, I get this paycheck here, this bill comes in, I'll use this here, and then another bill comes in and I'll do that one, and then, oh, wait, what about this one? Maybe I should you know, push this one off, and then the next paycheck, when am I paid again? And it's this constant mental just... Okay, one of my and every time a bill comes in, they repeat the process. Oh yeah, this one goes here, and I'll time it here. I mean, it's crazy. And the sad thing is, it doesn't add any value. Your the vendors, the people you're paying those bills to, they don't care that you're putting all this mental effort into it. They just want their money. So at the end of the day, you're putting all this effort into simply staying afloat, simply treading water, just paying the bill. There's zero value added to it, and. When you get to where you're living on the prior month's income, you just pay the bill when you get it, or you set it up on autopilot, or you pay all the bills at the beginning of the month. But I'll have people that write into us and just basically say, I spend what took me four hours to manage, that, you know, spend, spending all these bills, timing things. They just do automatically or in 20 or 30 minutes each month just making sure everything's paid. So that alone, I think, is worth the effort of being able to save, set, set money aside until you can live on your prior month's income. 
which explains one of the questions I was going to ask you is how does the person who is on, you know, if they're a sales executive or they're, you know, working on that variable income. So you've answered that. Thank you. Thank you for for doing that. So now my big question, which is people have, I don't know if you've encountered this, but I surely have, there is a strong resistance to budget budgeting. Oh yeah. I, I tweak the word and I say spending plan and it, it, it seems to jive a little better. But in fact the budget is a spending plan. It's it is a, a spending plan. So what is your experience with that? And and it, just share with the audience why having a budget is really not a limitation of freedom but an actual invitation to freedom. I, I just wrote a blog post. I put out my own budget for two thousand twelve uh pretty much to the penny and it was just an exercise for me in um, questioning my my spending. And we do we do better uh, now than we ever have before. And we're still uh, quite frugal compared to most. But if people were to see my budget, they would see some spots where they would say, "Whoa, this guy's not frugal at all." And then they'd see other spots where they'd say, "Oh my gosh, that guy doesn't spend any money there." And what it is is just a reflection of what I really care about. And so as I looked over my budget for 2012, kind of doing a post-mortem, see what, you know, kind of looking forward and doing some bigger bigger uh, question answering, I, I realized we really care about Christmas. We spent a lot of money on Christmas last year. Uh, we, we set aside, I couldn't believe this after the fact, but our plan was at the beginning of 2012, we were going to set aside $300 each month for Christmas. And my wife said, I just want to go all out. I just I want to have lots of food. We we had a uh, some really close friends over. About probably I think five couples come came over. We served a really nice dinner. I mean we just really had fun with it. And then you look at another line item of mine, like restaurants, where we're about a third of of the national average, and we just don't really get a lot of uh, enjoyment out of well out of mediocre restaurants. I enjoy really good restaurants, but. Um, my point in all that is the budget is just your values on paper. It's just what you want your money to do. If you want your money to pay for your golf, and I love that, then it should do that. If you want your money to pay off your debt, and I hope you do, it should do that. It's really just your plan. And your budget is just a way to kind of have you consciously acknowledge, this is what I want, and if I don't have this written down, then I'll likely forget about it and I'll be kind of sucked into the consumer cycle. And so it's just you on paper and then you get to kind of remind yourself what you really want. Um, but it's it's nothing restrictive. We we blow money on stuff. I mean, we, we, we went on some vacations last year. Um, we, we've paid off our house. That was a big goal of ours a few years ago. And it's just different things that we decide we want. And other people would be shocked and uh, we would be shocked at what other people care about. But that's okay because we all get to do what we want with our money. You know, So there's no judgment. It's just you deciding this is important and then making sure your money does that. When you do that, when your money is doing what you value, you will be very content. And that is probably the, the biggest reward I get out of teaching all this. All right, we just have a little under two minutes, uh, just about two minutes now. So I just want to wrap. That's one of the things that I love about the spending plan, too, uh, Jesse, is that it truly reflects your values. And, like, for me, you know, people look on and, and get their own opinion. I don't bling out on stuff that some people want to bling out on because I personally like to buy a lot of gold and silver. So I'm I'm one of those hidden 
you know, I, I hide my money, so to speak, I hide my gold yeah, and silver, yeah. but there are other people who are flashing it with fancy cars and so forth. So it reflects our values. So we just have um, about two minutes left. Let's see here. Um, now, I titled the show Spend Your Way to Wealth. Would you say that's a fair title for the show today? That is. It absolutely is. You're not going to live some austere lifestyle. It's just your decisions that all have consequences. And I just want everyone to be conscious about where their money is going and think hard, like, do I love this? Is this what I really want my time to go toward? This is what, my, what I want my life to go toward. Because in the end, your money is your life. And, as and we, you, we'll never get to wealth until we have that first dollar above and beyond our debts. I just wanted to say real quick, guys, if you're interested in getting the You Need a Budget software, you can get it on my website, which is getdebtfreewealth.com, getdebtfreewealth.com. It will also be on debtfreewealth.org and endmoneyproblemsnow.com. I want to thank my awesome guest, Jesse, um, for being with us today. Our next show next week is – is, uh, oops, wrong one. Our, oh, it's going to be – <laughs> it's going to be What Are You Eating? Confessions of the Converted. So join us next week on Debt Free Wealth Radio. Trudy Verman here. Jesse, thank you for being with us today, and good night. Thank you very much.